0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. And as I say on every Friday, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. So I hope that you will join me as we worship the Lord on Sunday. If you don't have a place to worship, why don't you come on down to Hickory Ridge Community Church at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South. We have a service at nine o'clock and then we have a service at 1045. Well, on May 26, 2013, at 4.30 a.m., the Jaxcon 4, one of three tugboats that was towing an oil freighter off the coast of Nigeria, started to sink. Harrison Ogan, the tugboat's 29-year-old cook, knew something was drastically wrong. As the vessel descended 100 feet to the floor of the ocean, he was pitched upside down. O'Keefe was tossed to and fro in these small quarters. He groped his way into darkness through the icy waters, and he finally found a cabin with a four-foot air pocket. He made a, a makeshift platform, stacked up a couple of mattresses together in an attempt to escape the rising waters. Dressed only in his boxer shorts, he sat on the mattress and waited and waited for help. But the thought of being rescued seemed so remote. Uh, He was a follower of Christ, and he started to pray. Oh God, by your name, save me. The Lord sustained my life. He told reporters, I started calling on the name of the Lord, reminiscing on these verses that I read before I would fall asleep. He says, I read the Bible from Psalm 54 to Psalm 92. My wife had sent me these verses to read that night when she called before I went to bed. Well, two and a half days later, he was certain that the rest of the 11 men crew had all drowned and that he would also drown. But then he heard the sound of rescuers and he started to bang on the steel walls of his cabin with a hammer. The Dutch divers who found him couldn't believe their eyes. As they reached out for a hand of a man they assured was dead, they grabbed onto his hand. To this day, O'Kane believes that his rescuers, after 72 hours underwater, was the result of a divine deliverance. He told the Nigerian newspaper, the rest of my life is not enough to thank God for this wonder. It is incredible. Well, I want you to know, if you have been born again, it is incredible, and it's time now to get rid of the crud in your life. I've discovered that just because something supernatural happens, just because something miraculous happens, doesn't mean I'm immune from complaining. So today, we're going to be looking at getting rid of the crud in our lives. The crud in our lives is an acrostics that I will spell out to you, and the letter C in the word crud stands for get rid of complaining. You know, we tend to complain way too much. Did you know that 73 times the word complain appears in the New Living Translation Bible? We're going to look at the book of Numbers today. In the book of Numbers alone— 10 times we see the word complain. Now, no other book in the Bible uses this word complain this many times. Who is it in reference to? Who was doing all the complaining? Well, we discover it was a people that was mightily rescued. It was the people of God, of all things, that were complaining. I'm sorry to say that sometimes Christians complain to much. Well, let's pick up the story. Numbers chapter 11, and uh, I'm going to read from the message verses 1, 2, and 3. It says that the people fell to grumbling over their hard life. Now, God heard. When he heard, his anger flared. The fire blazed up and burned the outer boundaries of the camp. The people cried out, to help for Moses. Moses prayed to God and the fire died down. They named that place Taberah, which means blaze, because fire from God had blazed upon them. And as we look at this passage of scripture, we discover that God's people were grumbling. Now, when you look at the Bible, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's called the Torah, The first five books of the Old Testament. The book of Exodus records God's miracle of bringing his people out of 400 years of bondage. So, the book of Exodus also talks about the journey that they went through and how God gave them 40 years in the wilderness and they complained those 40 years. When we pick up the story here and we discover that the people once again, or should I say, continued grumbling over their hard life. God hears it, and his anger is flared. And so what does he do? He says, oh, uh, kind of like I used to do to my kids when they were growing up. They would be complaining about something, and and maybe you've done this as a parent too. You say to your kids, well, uh, you like to complain, don't you? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to give you something to complain about. And in our case, it meant that the board of education was going to be applied to the seat of learning so that they would learn not to complain so much. Well, God basically says the same thing to his people. Oh, you'd like to complain? I hear you grumbling. It's come up to the throne of heaven. And my anger towards you is now flaring up. And so God causes this blaze to come, to come up against them. You know, when you think about that, that's pretty severe. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, what should I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in a public square. They complain to their friends, constantly complaining. We learn deeper in this story found in Numbers chapter 11 that the Lord was angry because his people complained. You see, in Numbers sixteen eleven, it says the Lord is the one that you are following, and when you're revolting against Moses or against Aaron, you're really revolting against God. Do you get the significance of what complaining is? We think we're complaining against a boss that is expecting too much, or a spouse that is delivering too little, or children that are disobedient. Will we complain against somebody else. We are actually griping against God. Did you know that complaining invites God's judgment upon our lives? Let me give you the text, okay? And if you think I'm misrepresenting scripture, then you can call me and we'll talk about it. James 5 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So James tells us here, that by grumbling, complaining, that we are actually inviting God's judgment. The judge is standing at the door. God is standing there waiting for us to complain so he will judge. Paul talks about the same judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says we should not test the Lord as some of them did, talking about those who were following Moses, those Israelites who complained, And they were killed by snakes. Paul says, verse number 10, and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Paul is reminding us, just as they didn't get away with complaining. Neither do we, so complaining invites God's judgment upon my life. Did you know that complaining also tears down others? Ephesians 4:29 reminds us to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That little phrase, unwholesome talk, can easily be interpreted complaining, putting somebody else down instead of building them up. Not only does complaining tear down others, but you know, complaining actually steals my joy. You see, when I complain about somebody, I'm complaining to God, I'm complaining to them, I'm tearing them down but I'm also losing my joy. Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So as I look at this verse, rejoicing always, praying continually, give thanks in all circumstances, we cannot do that when we're complaining. So, when we look at being gracious, as we are gracious to others, kind, building them up, we are actually doing God's will. You see, as I think about grace, I want to be a gracious person because that's where I find joy. I want to be gracious in all parts of my life from my kids to my spouse to those who are in authority over me. Because nothing will steal my joy more than being ungracious. I choose joy. You know, complaining tears down and steals joy, but complaining also reduces my blessings. In Numbers 13 and 14, we don't have time to read both of those chapters, but in Numbers chapter 14, it says, the Lord replies, I have forgiven them as you have asked, right? Moses intercedes on behalf of his people and he says, God, would you give them a break? Don't destroy them, save them. And nonetheless, verse 21, Numbers 14, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole house, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in wilderness but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times. And not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath of their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, I want to stop there and, and give some explanation of what is happening here. It says here that certain people were not going to go into the promised land. As a matter of fact, that entire generation was not going to go into the promised land. Now, oftentimes we think, well, the reason they didn't go into the promised land is because when the 12 spies went into the promised land, they went back in there, 10 of them came back with an unfavorable report, but Caleb and Joshua, they had a different spirit in them, and they went in there and says, we can conquer the land, and they came back with a good report. So Caleb and Joshua got to go into the promised land, everybody else lost that blessing, because they didn't believe they could defeat the enemy. But it's not only that that caused them to not go into the promised land. Here we discover they disobeyed God and tested him 10 times. I guess we could say that was the icing on the cake that prohibited them from going into the promised land is that they didn't believe they could overcome the enemy. The reason they didn't believe they could overcome the enemy is because they constantly complained. You see, when you complain about God enough, he finally says, Okay, if you're going to constantly complain, I'm going to reduce your blessing. You prohibit yourself from receiving God's blessing by chronically complaining. Well, I could go more on that subject, but let me give you something else about complaining. Complaining tears down others, steals my joy, it reduces my blessings. But complaining is a major violation of God's Word. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, there was a pastor by the name of Bob Russell who said, It is a rare person, when his cup frequently runs over, can thank God instead of complaining about the limited size of his mug. You see, when we complain, we're actually doing the work of the enemy. You know what Satan does? He slanders believers. He complains about believers not being consistent. He complains that we follow Christ because Christ blesses us. I mean, that was the accusation he brought against Job. Complaining violates God's word. So, letter C, we need to get rid of complaining. Letter R, we tend to remember the wrong things, so we need to remember the right thing. We're going back to Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, we see there is a group of what the Bible calls misfits, all right? They're the rabble, they're the disorganized lowlife who are power hungry, right? You ever meet somebody like that? They're on a lower level, but they love to have power, right? Right? And so these are people that infiltrated the nation of Israel. They were called the rabble, the rabble. And among the people, they had this craving. And so because they had this craving to be in power, they started whining and complaining, and they forgot all that God blessed them with in the past. And they said, well, we had fish when we were in Egypt, and we got it free. And now all we have is manna, manna, manna. We used to have cucumbers and and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. They remembered the wrong things. They remember what they ate, but they forgot that they were in bondage. Listen, your freedom is worth more than a fish sandwich. Your freedom is worth more than cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions. When the Lord sets you free, that is a reason to celebrate. Be careful, deuteronomy six twelve says that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt out of that land of slavery. you know there's a very dangerous time in the life of a believer, and it's not immediately after a believer is converted. I find that the most dangerous place for a believer I'm talking about a person who comes to a saving knowledge of Christ, they've been saved for a couple of years. And I find that the year from three to five years after conversion is very pivotal because it's at that point in their life, if they're not careful, if they're not continuing to grow, that they all of a sudden start complaining and they remember the wrong things. They start looking at people and they start thinking, well, they're, they're a little top notch above other people and they will forget what God delivered them from. They forget the pit from which God pulled them out of. So, Don't remember the wrong things. Remember the right things, because what I focus on, I eventually will become. Paul looked at the people that he loved, the church at Philippi, for example, and he said of them, you know what? Every time I think about you, I thank God for you. Maybe you've started to complain about your wife or your kids or or your church or your job or or your lot in life, and instead of complaining, why don't you thank God for all that He has given you? Thank God for the job that He he has provided for you. It may not be the biggest paying job. It may be a source of stress, but it's a way that God has chosen for you to provide for your family. Thank God for your wife. You know, I've discovered when I give thanks for my wife, she appreciates in value. Uh, She goes up in value as I appreciate her more, As I give thanks to my children, for my children, that goes up. So focus on the right thing. You know, when you think about how long we're remembered, even the most famous people can only be expected to be remembered between 5 and 30 years. Isn't that kind of sad? No matter how famous you are, within 30 years, most people have totally forgotten about you. It doesn't matter how famous you are. So why do we spend so much time complaining about not being recognized? Why don't we just focus on the many blessings that God has given to us? Well, my time is slipping away, but we must remember the right things because how you remember determines your level of joy. I love this story found in Luke chapter 2. It's the birth of Christ. And during the birth of Christ, there is a character that is often overlooked, and that character is Simeon. Now, Simeon had a very special message for Mary. And Simeon says this child's father and mother is going to be blessed, and a child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So here, Simeon has a special message to Mary. Remember the child that you're bearing has got a big destiny, but it's going to cause you and your soul to be pierced. But the level of joy is not in that piercing, but is found in the destiny of that child. Listen, whenever we go through difficult times, remember, God has a bigger plan, and if we can focus on that bigger plan, that little time of pain will begin to ease off. And sometimes we forget, right? Sometimes we forget all the blessings that we have been given. So when my memory fails, I have learned to ask the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to bring to my remembrance everything that God's done for me. You know, that's actually biblical to do that. John 14, 26 says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and He will remind you of everything that I have said. Now, in order to be reminded of something, you got to have it in your mind so that it can be recalled. That's why memorizing the Bible is so very important. God cannot recall scriptures that have never been put into your mind, so get into the Word of God, study God's Word, and you'll discover that when your memory fails, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what you have placed in your mind. You know this past weekend, we had the joy of going to a nursing home and this is a memory care facility. a lot of the patients there are in early stages of Alzheimer's, some are more advanced stages, but it amazed me as we were talking to these. Some of these patients, many of whom could not recall the names of their children. When we started singing some of the hymns of the faith, and I started quoting some of the more popular Bible verses, these patients at this nursing home sang along with us, quoted along with us. Even though they were advanced in age and their memory was failing, the Holy Spirit was working miraculously. Well, there's something else that we need to get rid of complaining, remembering the wrong things being ungrateful. Numbers chapter 11, we discover that they were always focused on the bad things they had. They focused on the negative things in their lives. They were so filled with ungratefulness. There's one other point that I got to cover, and I just have two minutes left, but we tend to doubt way too much. Don't doubt in darkness what God has revealed to you in light. Doubt is the beginning of that downward spiral to giving in to temptation. You can trust God's Word. You know, when you think about trusting God's Word, never stop reading the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You see, you're going to have a point in your life where that pressure is going to be placed upon you the pressure to give in to temptation, I find that I can overcome temptation by obeying God's word, by fellowshipping with faithful believers, by praying, by reading. So this week, as we wind up another week of broadcast, this week I want to encourage you to work on removing the crud in your life. Get rid of complaining. Stop remembering the wrong things or stop remembering wrongly how much God has blessed you. Stop being ungrateful. Stop doubting. God's Word can be trusted. Thank you so much for joining me today. I would love to see you this Sunday at Hickory Ridge Community Church. We are at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South and we have a service time at 9 o'clock and at 1045. Thank you so much for joining me today. So, Father, those who are driving, keep them safe on the road. Uh, Those who are listening by radio, I pray a prayer blessing upon them. Those who are listening to the podcast, may this be a blessing and an encouragement to them. May we eliminate complaining. May we stop remembering wrongly how good you have been to us. May we no longer be filled with ungratefulness, and may we have our doubts eliminated as we trust in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I can pray for you one last time, here's my phone number 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash one eight nine zero five five seven. Or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast.